the more in tune I become spiritually, the more that I find that I can just be happy pottering around the house, you know, or just sitting in the garden. <laughs> and I think I, I start to value a lot more what I already have. I think it was, I think it was started doing meditation, 100%. And all that really did, if I'm honest, was unlock something that was there already, because my parents are also very spiritual people, and that's the kind of household I grew up in. But I, I'd, I'd kind of parked that as um, as a young woman, and then have refound it in my 30s. And I, um, yeah, I think I started to, the quieter I became, mentally the more I was able to hear what needed to come up and be addressed and a lot of that stuff was about finding my self-worth and value through work you know so I've started to address those things and the more I address it the more I just I'm not seeking so much from working Welcome to another season of Alonement, the podcast about the time you spend alone and why it matters. I'm your host, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It, and a former extreme extrovert who, a few years ago, discovered the life-changing power of taking some time to myself. On this show, I interview fascinating people who can give inspiration and practical advice on how to make your alone time the best it can be. Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. This week, I'm delighted to be speaking to actress Phoebe Fox, who stars in one of my favorite TV series at the moment, The Great. If you love the show as much as I do, you'll know her as Mario the sidekick and best friend to Elle Fanning's character, Catherine. He should banish him, possibly kill him. I a bad feeling about him. This isn't my first time interviewing Phoebe. I had the pleasure of interviewing her earlier this year for Glamour magazine, and I enjoyed our conversation so much that I begged her to come on the show so we could continue it. Thankfully, she said yes. Before we get to the episode... I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsor, Flashpack, a travel company for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, providing boutique group adventures all around the world. There's trips to Bali, Morocco, Sri Lanka, Japan, the world is your oyster. I've been working with Flashpack since the beginning of this year, and last April I had the chance to experience one of their adventures for myself, travelling the hotspots of Colombia. I made so many new friends, many of whom I'm still in touch with, and had the kind of colourful, memorable experiences I'd been craving for the past couple of years of lockdown, including salsa dancing, boat trips, and eating delicious South American cuisine. What's incredible about going away with Flashpack is that you get the best of both worlds. Wonderful company, if you'd like it, and the ease of having someone else sort out the logistics, but also the independence of choosing where and when you'd like to have an adventure. If you'd like to experience a Flashpack holiday for yourself, they've provided an exclusive discount offer to all Alonement listeners. Quote the code ALONEMENT to give you £100 off your dream trip today. Phoebe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out again. First off, this is a podcast all about alone time or known by another name, me time. Now, I know you spend a lot of your time on screen and on stage, surrounded by your fellow cast members. And obviously, you're married to a fellow actor, Kyle. 
I imagine that there isn't a huge amount of alone time in your life, but how does it function for you? There's not. You're right. <laughs> you have to actively seek it out. And I think that it's really important. That's what I've, I've started to realize the older that I've got, the longer that I've worked, finding moments to check in and also check out of everyone else, especially on set, you know, I realized just recently the amount of energy it takes to socialize with that many people constantly, because it is a constant sort of socialization film. Yeah, it's draining. So I, I have sort of half an hour into my morning after I've had my hair and makeup done and before I get into my costume where I, I do a bit of yoga or something, something to sort of calm my nerves, <laughs> reset my nervous system, you know. <laughs> so um, I'm picturing you in your costume on the grates doing yoga in a corset. Is that, is that how that's working? <laughs> oh, no, it's, pre, it's pre-costume. It's hard to do yoga in, in a costume, in a period costume. Yeah. Mm, yeah, we had a nice chat about the, uh, the perils of wearing a corset on set, which made me want to never play a role in a period drama um, ever, which I don't really think was on the cards. <laughs> they definitely, definitely sound like something yoga would not not work so well in. And you spoke about doing vocal warm up exercises as well to sort of prepare and get you into the character. How is that? How, how does it feel to sort of almost like take yourself off and put on another person every day? Yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a weird thing actually. T- yeah, it's um, it, there's something wonderful about it it can be very transformative it can be a real outlet I was feeling really irritated yesterday and uh, luckily for me I had a scene where I was just fuck this fuck that fuck you and I thought god this is great I'm just getting it right off my chest but you know the the, when the when the line blurs which sometimes it does it can be a scary place to inhabit I think I had that experience once on a job where it was just because I I played the part for for too long actually in a way I did a production of View from the Bridge and it was at the Young Vic and then it went into the West End and then it went to Broadway so I was just playing this one character for about two years and by the end I had successfully merged ourselves so completely that I couldn't really on some deep energetic level really define how she felt and how I felt and how those things could be different and I would find myself mourning what happened in the play in my real life so you do have to be careful as an actor I think you have to be really mindful about kind of stuff you're inhabiting and be and be um mindful again mindful of of letting stuff go of like actively letting it go you know like I'm done I've done with that character goodbye thank you so much thank you for coming you may leave my body now (laughs) so is there that time at the end of the day as well like much like you get into your character is that almost perhaps alone time perhaps some other time that you use to take that character away yeah well I think yes there should be I, I'm not very good at it I have to I, I have to admit like um I haven't been that good about actively letting them go and I think a lot of actors do do that you know they'll finish a, a play for the evening and they will take a moment alone to just you know say thank you for coming I'll see you tomorrow but I'm going back to my life now so I'll, I'll see yeah see you in the morning and I I haven't been that that great at that I did find the notebook I kept for the character in view from the bridge the one that really affected me and I found all the notes I'd ever kept on that character just recently and I burnt it I was like okay I, I think I feel like I need to do something 
I need to exercise that because I never did. So I was like, just burn it. And it felt fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So therapeutic. Yeah. It's like burning a letter that, you know, you would send to your ex, but you know. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Character. Yeah. And I think I, it's brilliant how honest you've been uh, talking about your experience with View from a Bridge and how much that did affect you. Because I know in previous interviews, you've said that you suffered from a period of depression when you Mm. were playing that character. Was there anything also about the nature, I suppose, of of touring? Because I think I'm right in thinking it Mm. went to New York as well, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, which is, I mean, London's one thing, but New York, uh, and I just got back, lots of wonderful things to say about it, but it's a very inherently lonely place to be, I suppose, as well, away from your partner. Was that something to do with it as well, do you think? Yeah, I, I think it was, yeah, for sure. It's, it's like you say, I mean, New York is amazing if you are up for it and if you're in that headspace. And if you're not, it feels completely overwhelming. That's how I felt. I felt I was so tired from doing the play. You know, our, our theatre was off Times Square and I had to come through Times Square every day. I was just like, fuck, man. It was, um, I'm very affected by people's energy. So I find like large crowds of people a little bit overwhelming anyway. And I, and then not having a sort of support network around you. And it, and it, and it coincided with my, my sister gave birth to her twins very, very early, sort of worryingly early whilst I was out there. So all this shit was happening back home, which I then felt, you know, inherently guilty for, for missing. And and you have that anyway as an actor because you always miss you always miss everything actually like weddings and birthdays and but it's yes I think there's something particular about that city which is uh, it can be cruel there's something cruel about that place it's not um it's not that welcoming <laughs> has think. it ruined has it ruined New York for you a little bit yeah I have to admit a little bit I I associate it with quite a, a dark period of my life in a way. I have to admit that the part of the trouble of that period was the fact that we came from London as the kind of toast of the town. And we, you know, we flew into New York like, here we are, baby, you know, and um, it never it can never live up to what we'd made it in our heads. And our egos were suffering somewhat from that. Um, and I think that's quite a regular occurrence, actually. I've talked to many British actors who have felt the same way. You sort of come to New York in a blaze of glory and find it to be a bit of a disappointment. But I, I'm I'm ready and willing to start a new relationship with New York. Um, <laughs> I haven't been back since, because, you know, COVID and whatever, I just haven't yeah. been there in a long time. But So this is just a message to New York. They'll, they'll yes, have you back. get in touch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and d- during that time, I... I know that when we had our interview for Glamour, you spoke about you and your partner, husband, actor, Kyle Soller, and how you were kind of twin flames in your career or how you sort mm. of, you used to get parts, you know, similar, similar levels of sort of progress in your career would happen at the same time. And you've always kind of been quite nicely, you know, supporting each other and attuned to each other. Was he able to come and support you in New York? And was, was there a difficulty there? in not necessarily having had that he did come out he came um for the last a couple of months and that was amazing but for anyone who's ever you know experienced a sort of form of a long-term relationship it puts immense pressure on on you as a couple because I was by that point incredibly 
drained and had very little to give in terms of attention. So he'd sort of flown over the, you know, over the ocean and was there for me. And I was like, I literally have just enough in me to like make it to the theatre and back every day. But he's a wonderfully patient partner and he took it in stride. I don't think it was it was the best time. Although, you know, we did a lot of drinking. So that was (laughs) (laughs) was fun. Yeah, it helps. Like I said, talking to you before you know he also did a New York run of a play and uh, a sort of similar it was similarly hard for him and I had and the shoe was then on the other foot and I had to be the kind of patient partner but I'm I'm a lot less patient by nature so I'm not sure I was as good at that role as as he can be. How do you get the balance because I think in in other interviews you've said that a big secret to your long-lasting marriage is time apart but you're so <laughs> immensely supportive of one another. How do you get the balance between being supportive and also, I don't know, having that healthy alone time? Because, I mean, I certainly have never managed that in a relationship. I know a lot of listeners, you know, I speak to say so they, they struggle to have a relationship that, you know, is, I don't know, interdependent without being codependent. Mm. And especially with you, you're having careers that are so similar, so aligned. Yeah. Gosh, did I say that? It's so interesting because I'm 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 really in a period of time where I think because of COVID and we've just spent so much time together and we've both been filming in London for the last few years and now he's like I'm going to Leeds for three days and I'm like oh god I'm gonna <laughs> die uh, um, but I think you know maybe maybe actually by nature I'm someone who who likes company so it's quite good for me I think to have a partner who does go away because otherwise I would just sort of live in his pocket and I and I, that's not good for anyone but I, I don't know I mean people always actors always like you know we have a rule you never do more than two two weeks apart and I just think god how do you how do you manage that because actually you know I don't think we would choose now nowadays we wouldn't choose to spend six months apart but that's just the way that our industry works I think you've just got to be so forgiving and patient because you know especially when you're on a time zone difference and someone is just waking up and you've been waiting all day for them to wake up and then you speak to them and you're like hi and they you know they've been awake for half an hour so they they cannot meet you where you're at and it's um you just have to just patience 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 mm, yeah <laughs> At this point, I'd love to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, Duolingo, the world's number one language learning app, which offers 100 courses across 41 languages. As my Instagram followers will know, I swapped my dating app habit for learning Spanish via Duolingo earlier this year. It's been so easy to fit around my day-to-day life. And six months in, I'm hooked on doing the fun bite-sized lessons for just a few minutes a day. I love chatting to locals during my travels to Spanish-speaking countries, as well as continuing this enriching adult education journey daily here in London. The main Duolingo app is free and always will be, as the company mission is to make language learning available to everyone. However, if you'd like to try the ad-free version, Duolingo Plus, with lots of special extra features, then quote the promo code ALONEMENT for a complimentary one-month trial. Download the world's number one language learning app today. 
I mean, again, another good relationship rule. I think you're saying that you're learning that patience a bit more from Kyle. Um, yes, <laughs> I think I'm. I think sure. I'm your school of thought there. Yeah, um, yeah, but. I guess it, it's different because, you know, you're apart for a job. It's not like one of you is choosing to go on a sort of I don't know, delayed gap year. It's, it's yes, an inherent yeah. understanding. And I know that both your parents are actors as well and that you mm. all almost have that narrative around, you know, this is the nature of the job. We're, we're doing it not to sort of, I don't know, find yes. ourselves, but yeah. find our characters. I think, I think that's also a good point in that my model of a relationship, of a good relationship and a relationship that worked was one where one of them was away for various you know amounts of time and so I modeled on some subconscious level I have modeled the ideal marriage on that and I think you know there's definitely something to be said for absence makes the heart grow fonder I think that's remained true as in practice I think but the older I get the more (laughs) the more I want him to just stick around or maybe it's the more that no no this is what it is I want to go away less I think um yes I feel much more drawn to being at home and also being alone but at home rather Mm. than seeking that time elsewhere when you say alone at home I mean is this a alone togetherness because I know that you said that you started meditating a lot during lockdown yes yeah yeah totally yeah I think I guess it's it's chiming in with a general move towards a sort of you know, a spirituality that I seek less, this, I seek, sorry, that sounded so sort of biblical. I'm looking for less for answers or um, solutions outside of myself or outside of my home. So, you know, I don't feel like I need to go traveling to find myself or to get some sort of joy out of living. The more in tune I become spiritually, the more that I find that I can just be happy pottering around the house you know, or just sitting in the garden. (laughs) And I think I I start to value a lot more what I already have. What do you think created that shift? I think it was, I think it was started doing meditation, 100%. And all that really did, if I'm honest, was unlock something that was there already, because my parents are also very spiritual people. And that's the kind of household I grew up in. But I'd, I'd kind of parked that as um as a young woman and then have refound it in my 30s and I um yeah I think I started to the quieter I became mentally the more I was able to hear what needed to come up and be addressed and a lot of that stuff was about finding my self-worth and value through work you know so I've started to address those things and the more I address it the more I just I'm not seeking so much from working <laughs> mm. Yeah, you just you did say how that that shift has happened because I mean it's notoriously very pressure filled industry yeah. and with this role with you know playing Mario this is the biggest role of your career to date so you know it's it's funny that that's almost coincided with mm. a period where you've sort of taken a step back of finding self worth through work. Yeah, it is interesting, but it's you know. <laughs> And, may, may, you know, maybe this was subconsciously part of my starting to realize that I had issues around work that I needed to address because I was doing, you know, starting the great and it's a massive job and it's a great part. And yet I was still feeling unfulfilled. And, and maybe I mentioned that to you before because that had come up before in my career, just like, oh, God, you know, even with view for the bridge, like knowing, oh, God, this is probably one of the best jobs I'll ever do in my life. Oh, my God, what is next? What is next? And you just like, it's just no way to live. And I just 
found that hamster wheel starting to turn again with the great rather than just sitting in it, enjoying it for what it is. I'm so much happier now. Look, it's an ongoing journey, don't get me wrong, but I'm much happier now in, and we've just started season three of The Great, filming season three and just enjoying getting to act rather than worrying about what job I will get from doing The Great. And that's the sort of big lesson is like learning how to get the satisfaction out of the act of doing it rather than the product, you know, mm. um, which I think actors are not great at across the board. We're always like, what, what's it going to do for me? You know, what medal will I get for this? What prize will I get a BAFTA? Oh, it's just like, that's a one way ticket to unhappiness. Well, I, you know, with anything, but I think that the sky is the sky is the limit. You know, the in the giant billboard in the middle of Times Square that you'd probably hate because you hate Times Square <laughs> would be yeah. would be there. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I always think there's a Strokes song with the title "The End Has No End," and I always feel like it's like that's kind of success. There's just no yes, yes, no moments. It's the hamster wheel. You're just constantly trying to get to the next job. I don't know. I'm, it, there's something really lovely about just sitting back from that and just trusting like, well, the next job will will be on its way. Mm. And maybe it won't be what I imagined. Maybe it won't even be better than what I was already doing. But if I can just try and just be present enough to enjoy the fact that I get to act, which is still, you know, such a pleasure. Yeah, and it's hard. How, how how does that work practically? You know, those those sort of introspective moments. How do you access them when you're when you're there in, in character on sets in this very tight corset costume? How, how do you ground yourself yeah. and remember to enjoy it? I do try and literally ground myself every morning. I take my shoes off. I try and go outside, put my feet in the grass. I find that immensely helpful. It just lands you a bit into your day. I've also just started being just really honest with myself and with other people. I was talking to another actor on set. We were talking about a film and I just said, you know what? I haven't seen it actually because I'm just so jealous of the lead actress in that <laughs> And uh, I just need to vocalise that so I can just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's owning something it. about that. Owning it, but like vocalising that stuff when you're like, I'm not very present, actually. And uh, I am worrying about the next job that's going to come along. I, I find the act of, of writing it down or saying it out loud, there's something very releasing about that. It's when you start to internalise it. And actually, I think part of waking up it is about noticing when you are falling into those negative thought patterns and just being aware of them. That in itself is a huge, step into all of this stuff just Mm. being more aware of the unconscious thought patterns that are kind of ruling your life you know yeah you spoke about journaling before you spoke about doing that when you were doing view from the bridge Mm. is that something you still do I've just started actually with view from the bridge it was like character notes and stuff but I've just started journaling and I god it's amazing I can't believe I haven't done it before. It's such a therapeutic tool. And I kind of try and do a little bit of, what do they call it? I think it's got a name, but basically you just put pen to paper and don't think about what you're going to write and just let whatever is ready to come up, just flow out of you. And then you you don't read it again. I don't reread it. I just kind of allow it as um, a way to exercise stuff. Hmm. Is it free writing? Is that what they call it? Like free writing. Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, free writing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. You know, I actually do find it quite difficult to put aside the time to journal when I'm with other people. For instance, I, you know, I just got back mm. from being away with one of my closest friends. And I get, I don't know, almost, I get so tempted to express the thoughts that I have 
to the person I'm with if I'm with someone 24 seven rather than yes. write them down it thankfully it's not normally difficult for me because I live alone so I, like it, it will come naturally but how how does that even work in a, in a couple how does that work as a sort of you know I'm going to go off and, and write mm. in my journal now yeah I think we're we're quite good at allowing each other that that time and I think we've seen the the effects that these kind of conscious behaviors can have you know journaling meditating whatever it is yoga for both of us so you know when I say to Kyle I'm you know go up and write in my journal like he knows that that's something that he has to allow me to do because ultimately our relationship is better for it I fully acknowledge like we don't have kids we don't have any kind of we don't have much responsibility so um, it's quite easy to find that time I find I think it's one of those things you will make time for like whatever like life stage, whatever situation you're in. But mm. um, it's just, it's always interesting to know how practically it works. Do you miss it when you're not doing it? Yes, I think it's almost like that annoying friend looking at you from the corner of the room being like, you know, we we, we need to talk, you know? I think like yeah. my journal was yeah. that, that personified. I think that there's a definite, yeah. and I don't know if you find this, um, you know, perhaps, um, you know, with Kyle you, Kyle, you said that you know that it's good for each other. You know that you almost encourage it because you know that you can see the effects. I think that's it. I think it's when you'll find yourself, I suppose, f- fixating on something that isn't important or this or that. And it yeah. really is almost because there's no substitute for just having that relationship with yourself alongside Absolutely. And it can be just somewhere you can park everything that you want to say that you can't really say to somebody, you know, that that letter that you want to write to your whoever, your ex-boyfriend or (laughs) your mother or whatever, you know, and just like get it all out on paper. I find it useful for that too. Yeah, I'm loving the ritual burning though, I think. that I think that's a super, there's something amazing about being a bit ceremonial about it, (laughs) especially when it's quite important I think I found it so releasing to burn it I cried you know I really felt like I was letting go of something it's amazing where were you was this just in the garden I was just in in my sitting room we had a fireplace and I just whacked it in there and set fire to it and watched it burn you know and really made sure I stayed for the whole thing and watched every bit burn god that's like literally like a scene from the great actually I can sort of imagine that happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it would be a person probably in the great it would of, be yeah. someone's head or yeah heart, probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it yeah it's we're not even exaggerating it is that wonderfully gory yeah um I can just I can just imagine though I'm just imagining this Instagram reel or TikTok or whatever you know like a quiet night in journaling you know there's sort of Taylor Swift playing softly in the background and then it's just like <laughs> furnace coming up like alternative yes. journaling practice <laughs> yeah totally uh, maybe we're onto something here and finally I feel like we've covered quite a lot of what you get up to in your alonement in your me time but you know is there anything that we kind of haven't mentioned about you know, alone time and, and the function it serves for you, you know, whether that's just, you know, 10 minutes of whatever that you do a day or perhaps solo travel or something, what comes up for you when I say alonement? Well, the first thing that I sort of want to acknowledge, mainly for myself, is that I used to be terrified of being alone. And like, this is such a, I think it's lovely that you're making a podcast about that, because it's, as I've kind of really delved into that time and not being afraid of it I've loved it it's such an amazing gift actually to be by yourself and to just really tune in to yourself as I sort of mentioned meditation yoga now I do try and do every day and the the newest string to my bow is singing 
singing I've been taking singing lessons because I just kind of realized that I need to do that I need to figuratively and quite literally unleash my voice and so I started taking singing lessons and I make sure I do a little practice every day at the moment I'm learning uh, let it go from frozen and I absolutely love it it's so emotional <laughs> I just I like it's it's a real uh, release so I think I must be driving my family absolutely bonkers singing frozen you know let it go every day but um you know I'll move on eventually to a different song but yeah singing yeah for sure I was gonna ask if this was for a part but unless you're playing Elsa in the upcoming West End yes I'm frozen you know I'm not I'm not yet obviously I'm waiting for the phone to ring to play Elsa no it's just like it's actually just such a great song and I love the message of it is incredible actually all that trying to let go of being the perfect daughter being the perfect little girl and letting your true colors out I think it's it's an incredible message for for women and mm. um it really chimes with me it's almost like the more angelic side of uh, of, of Mario who lets it all out lets it all yes. go on stage yes that's so true because you've spoken about how much you've loved playing quite an angry character and quite yes a outrageous absolutely character. yeah I do I really like being able to express that amount of anger because I just don't do it in real life I just suppress it I think mainly you know all that cultural conditioning I yeah I absolutely love being able to just release it from my body through Mariel you know I, I acknowledge that it's probably not the healthiest way to live your life the way that she does which is speaking every thought that comes into your mind <laughs> directing your rage at people sometimes quite violently but yeah I enjoy it <laughs> Baby Fox thank you so much it was really great to talk to you again oh, on the show pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Alonement. If you loved this episode, then you know what I would really like you to do is to share it with someone that you think would benefit. That's all from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Mm-hmm.